Welcome to Kid Tech, the series where we interview the key people shaping the global kids' digital media sector. I'm Dylan Collins, CEO of Super Awesome. Today, I'm very pleased to be joined by Mark Reed, uh, CEO of WPP, uh, which everyone listening will know well as the largest advertising and communications holding company in the world. Uh, Mark, welcome to Kid Tech. Welcome. Thanks very much for having me, Dylan. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Um, Mark, we've got a lot of very interesting topics to talk through, but um, I'd love if you could talk a little bit about your background. I mean, obviously everyone knows that, that you are CEO of WPP, but can you talk about how you got here, what your journey has been? Yeah, so I guess I've been um, CEO of WPP for the last 18 months, and prior to that, uh, I was running Wonderman, which was then one of our largest uh, digital agencies. I had a number of roles in, in WPP. I actually started my career at WPP um, in, I'm, I'm uh, not embarrassed to say, but in 1989 and worked in the, in the center for a few years, then left, spent some time in cons management consulting, which I found a thankless task, and then launched an internet business called Web Rewards in sort of 1999 to 2001, you know, what was then called the first internet bubble, although I'm not quite sure we've ever had a second internet bubble, but I saw the kind of <laughs> roller coaster rise of um, the internet, you know, starting with, you know, two of us in a business, you know, in a room signing a document through a fax machine. We did it with um, a partnership with a company called WebMars in Germany. We ran the, their UK, UK business and we grew to about 30 people. And then there was the sort of famous last minute dot com. IPO day, which sort of marked the end of the, the first internet bubble and, and things sort of unraveled mm. from there. But you know, you learn, you learn a tremendous around running a small business, actually running a big business mm. and running a small business. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to say which is easier and which is more difficult. We each have unique problems. Mm, mm. Yeah, but there certainly are some similarities that, that, that come through. I think a lot of the, the, the principles are the same. I mean, you're, you're probably somewhat unusual as being the, the, the oh, CEO. This is one of the challenges of, I, this is one of the challenges of working from home. My son, Fred, say hello. Hi. Okay, Fred, I'm just doing something. So hello, Fred. Let's see. So I lock myself uh, away in the attic. You can edit that in or out as you wish. Oh, I think I, I think we should absolutely leave that. I think it's 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 an excellent reflection of the environment everyone's dealing with right now. All right. Um, so where, so where I mean, it's it's it, it, it's 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 almost like sort of being back in your startup days, I suppose. Yeah, in some in some respects. Um, but so I think you know, look, it's a. It, I say we'll get onto this later. I and mean, we've seen a decade of innovation take place in a month, really. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's, 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 a, it's a funny old time. It, it, it is, and and I mean, you know, I think I mean let, let's talk about COVID nineteen because yeah. it's it's um, obviously dominating absolutely everything. Um, and maybe I, I mean it's it's it was timely that that your your son came in there for some tech support. Um, I mean, you know. Over half the world's kids are now at home. They're probably going to be at home for the next six months. And it feels like, you know, they are, they are running around the home. They are adopting technology and, and products and services. And, you know, things like Zoom, you know, which were enterprise products are now becoming 
you know, family communication devices, um, you know, which they were never really designed for. Um, I, I mean, when you look at sort of WPP's global client base, uh, how are they trying to think about this particular shift? Are they, are they adapting to sort of a family-focused type of existence, or, or what, what are you seeing on the front line? So I think, you know, we're, we're depending on where you are in the world, you know, three to four to sort of six weeks into the, the crisis, I guess, is the most accurate word to describe it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, clients are reacting, you know, travel and tourism companies, automotive companies, uh, non-food retail obviously found things most difficult. You know, technology, uh, food retail, health, you know, a number of sectors, packaged goods, you know, clearly um, there's continued demand for their products and how they communicate at the current time is really important thinking it through. I, I think t- today companies are in the replan mode. I think many of them probably, I think we're going to be in this for quite some time. And mm. uh, so I think we need to learn some new behaviours during this time and think about and, and realise that they're going to be bigger in the future. For example, I was having a conversation yesterday with one of our people about esports. You know, now mm. with no formal sports, kids are teaching their parents or their dads, you know, about esports. So, so mm. I think we'll see esports being a much bigger, you know, mm. a much bigger thing after this than it is today. And we're thinking about how we can help brands that would normally, let's say, sponsor football or tennis, mm. shift some of that money into esports, but demand for that will be driven by, by children. I think, you know, mm. as I said at the beginning, this is like a decade of innovation in a month. If you think about it, the way we work, communicate, fly, travel, shop, bank, you know, contact, the growth in contactless payments, um, and, and educate our children. You know, I mean, you know, the, the volume of innovation in education, I think is going to be one of the biggest, the biggest, benefits to come out of this you know the education mm. system hasn't really mm. innovated in 200 years or some might say 500 right. years um but, but it's certainly going to innovate them in the next three months and i think kids and family are, are at the heart of it yeah and and i mean do you see brands sort of are they trying to adapt their marketing are they spinning up innovation teams or is it simply too soon to, for, for them to be thinking about sort of long-term changes? I mean, clearly, like, you know, we have disruption now for, for the next, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine months. Um, are, they, are, are, are brands internalizing this as, as real long-term change? I mean, I, I know you mentioned things like sort of esports and education, which, which I absolutely agree with. But, but do you see sort of more emergent behaviors or do you think it's going to take another two or three months before, before that materializes? So I think that will take two or three months. I mean, we, we did some research in the US and um, quite interesting. So 84% of Americans say how companies or brands act today is Im- important to their loyalty, right? So what you do today mm. is going to be really important. 62% of Americans believe it's extremely or very important for companies to use their voice. So, you know, brands should continue to communicate and Americans most want to hear about what companies are doing for their own employees and for their customers, you know, keeping the people employed mm. and keeping them safe. So there is a demand from consumers for, um, 
you know, for, 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 for communications and for companies to talk to consumers. And mm. the, the key thing is the tone of voice. But interestingly, mm. 39% of Americans want a more serious tone than the brand usually uses, but 29% say mm. the same tone. Um, so I think that, you know, people, you know, people want things to be a little bit more serious, but they want brands yeah. to be themselves, act in the way they have always done, and talk about mm. how they're helping their customers and how they're helping their, their own staff. And I think do, that's do, what brands are trying to get that, around now. Do you think that's, that's injecting more empathy into that conversation be, be, between brands and, and customers? Is that, is that another way of proxying it? Yeah, perhaps, but, but it can't be contrived. You know, if you had mm. no empathy before, you can't suddenly discover empathy. You know, hmm, there's right. a famous, you know, pub chain in the UK, you know, would, would illustrate or sports retailer, right? You can't be what mm. you, you can't be something <laughs> that you weren't before. At the same time, mm. I think brands that um, are trusted by consumers can go out of their way. You know, I think we've been very impressed by what the supermarkets did to provide shopping hours for vulnerable people and NHS workers here in mm. the UK. But they had to get the execution right. You know, in the initial days, it mm. didn't go well because the execution wasn't right. But when they get the execution right, I think brands do have a role to play. So I think what people do, and I think there's a much, much heightened desire for equity and fairness. You know, I was just actually listening to a mm. BBC radio show discussing, you know, Amazon, price gouging, prime, giving customers mm. preference. I think there's very little tolerance from the population the things that seem to be unfair. So I think that mm. brands and companies or companies and brands need to treat people fairly, equitably, you know, and I think there is really a sense of us all being in this together. And, mm. and, and it's sort of a great leveler. I mean, disease is a great leveler, mm. you know, no one is safe. I mean, as we found out right. from the highest in the country, yeah. Um, yeah. no yes. one is safe here. And, and it, um, it, 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 yeah. You know, we all we all need to play our part. But do you think? I mean, I suppose even before um, COVID nineteen, kids were you know rising. I suppose as as a as a social power, as a social influence. I mean, you know, Greta Thunberg's um, impact on the world was was you know absolutely incredible. Um, and and I, I mean, I know you're talking about parents, but you know. Do you feel that all of this is going to elevate, um, I suppose, the importance of kids, you know, in this conversation in sort of what happens in the home? Is, is that, do you see that as a trend that is sort of happening at the same time? Well, like the kid is like the CTO. I mean, there's a certain way the kid is like the home sort of chief technology officer, you know, this sort of yeah. explosion mm. of house party, which is an app I hadn't heard of three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think that, but I, I think, you know, we also need to keep kids, you know, safe on the internet. And, you know, the internet has been a bit of a wild west, but I think over time, you know, I think about the conversations I've had with the platforms that have gone from, you know, things like, can kids under the age of 13 be on their platform, shrugging their shoulders to saying, well, it's just one of the things that happens to really actually, mm. you know what, we want to make sure it doesn't happen. We want to make sure that, mm. you know, parents can see what their children are doing. Or think about, mm. you know, some of the social media around teen issues and, you know, the pressure on, 
you know, rightly the pressure on platforms to act. So I think we have to mm. make the internet a, a safe and controlled environment mm. for our children. And then I think in many ways, you're right, children can drive, you know, adoption of many sort of new technologies, you know, uh, in, into, into the home as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've seen YouTube, um, you know, make a, an enormous positive pivot towards kids over the last 12 months or so. I mean, they have, they've invested into YouTube kids. They've rolled out their made for kids content um, program for, for creators and influencers. Like when, when you think about the platforms and, and, and you interact with them in, in, in so many different ways, I mean, do you feel YouTube is sort of at the cutting edge of this or do you feel that the technology platforms in general are starting to sort of accept this as a whole and, and, and sort of, um, I suppose, think about compatibility for kids? I don't know whether YouTube is the cutting edge. I think they have taken their responsibilities seriously. So creating specific apps designed for kids, um, you know, I think is an important is an important step. I think, you know, maybe they were a little bit late into it, but I think once they've got into it, they've really, you know, embraced it. And I've seen some of the work they've been doing, providing teaching resources to parents trying mm. to teach their children at home or, mm. you know, Google Classroom, you know, which, you know, next term may revolutionize education in a way you know, that hasn't been revolutionized before. So I think that the platforms, yeah. you know, and a lot of new technologies, you think about Snapchat, were driven by kids or young, right. young adults. You know, Snapchat was, mm. Facebook was in many ways, um, I'd say Instagram was. So they are sort of the early adopters of many of these TikTok, of many of the new platforms mm. um and i and i you know some of the new platforms probably some of the, the least regulated that i think they become quickly mm. they quickly sort of self-regulate themselves actually you know which is where this conversation is at the point at which they 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 hit advertising because our clients right. are concerned about putting their money you know into platforms that are safe and so when they when the platforms want to get a meaningful share of the advertising dollars, they realize they need to take issues around privacy mm. and content and tracking much, much more seriously. And that, that it becomes mm. much, much more important. I mean, I mean, it's, it's increasingly struck me over the years that the advertising community tends to have a much better grasp of kids and privacy and protection than Silicon Valley in general. The, the, would you agree with that? Well, I mean, Silicon Valley is a is based on breaking rules, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. it's it, it exists to disrupt, and mm. it exists to you know challenge the status quo, and mm. and and growth and scalability, you know, don't like rules and regulation, and mm. you know. Mod, mod, you know, as Facebook have found out, you know, content moderation is expensive, and so if you can, mm. if you can get away with saying, "Well, oh, just the pipe, and we're not responsible for the content," then mm. um, then it's, life is much easier. Unfortunately, at some point, you know, particularly if they want to to, to if they want advertising funding, you know, they they realise they have to be responsible for the content in some way. And have to be responsible for the advertising and the, and the advertising industry has been wrestling 
with these issues, you know, around marketing to children, around, you know, mm. um, you know, fast food, soft drinks, toys for many years and what's appropriate. And I think, you know, we're, we're mm. steer, steer, you know, steering a careful balance between, you know, legitimately telling people what's out there and promoting it mm. and promoting, you know, healthy lifestyles. And I think we all, you know, in bringing up our own children's, you know, you know, debate when, when are they allowed, you know, how many times a week or how many times a month are they allowed a cheeseburger? You know, I don't think that means that, you know, you know mm. burger companies don't have the ability to advertise, but mm. you know, th mm. those are things that our industry has been wrestling with. So I think we probably have a more innate understanding of it. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm um, often fond of suggesting that, you know, all technology companies at this point, or certainly ones that have a consumer facing element, should all have a chief children's officer, um, just so that there's a dedicated person thinking about this. It's, it's probably more pertinent now than it ever was. Um, yeah, I think that would be, very, with, with, be a very good idea. I mean, kids are going to be even more on the internet after this than they are before, aren't they? And absolutely, you know, they're going to be more connected. You know, I mean, we, um, we bought my daughter her first iPad because she needed it for school. All of a sudden, that's opened mm. up a whole world of communications with her friends that wouldn't have been mm. possible before. So I think that um, we are going to come out of this situation with kids much, much more connected at a much younger mm. age than it was before. Mm. And, and that's going to be both an opportunity for, for businesses and an opportunity for media platforms, but it's going to bring with it you know, as you know, a greater sense of responsibility and making sure, you mm. know, the internet's a safe place for, for children. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we've obviously seen a huge amount of strides towards that goal with all of the children's digital privacy laws being rolled out um, over the last few years, um, country by country. Um, and I, I suppose just, uh, you know, taking, taking a segue from that digital privacy point, um, I mean, we've seen, you know, a range of initiatives being announced by Google and Microsoft and Brave and, and, and various others towards um, first party data and even, you know, sort of true anonymity. Do you feel that this shift to privacy is one of the, you know, notwithstanding um, COVID-19, the, the shift to privacy is one of the biggest structural challenges that the advertising industry is going to be facing over the next few years? No, I, I don't think it's a structural challenge for the advertising industry. I think it's going to impact parts of the advertising ecosystem in, in different ways. I think for our clients, um, you know, how they activate their, their own data, what's known as first party mm. data that they collect with their relationship with consumers on the web is going to be more challenging. I think premium publishers and those that, have a sort of first party relationship you know the Googles Facebooks premium newspapers will be in a good position I think it's going to make life more challenging for sort of what I call intermediaries you know and in the companies that have relied on kind of hoovering up all the data on the web and you know it is the case that um, it, it is the case that um, you know it's much harder for um, you know, the internet was designed to let people hoover up the data. 
wasn't it? Yeah. That's why. Mm. And so it was that was sort of built into it. And I think that that's mm. that's stopping, and that's that's probably a good thing. So mm. it's going to make life harder for some of those intermediary companies. I think in the main, but for us and our clients, I think we're going to have yeah. to, you know, we're going to continue to market and we're going to continue to find ways to get the right message to the right yeah. consumer at the right time. So I'm not particularly concerned about it in that context. And, and do you hear anything from clients about, you know, looking at this trend and, and really feeling that they need to start investing much more in, in first party data or indeed in, in other parts of the ad tech ecosystem, taking it internally? Are, are there any kind of generalized trends that you can, you can talk about? Um, I don't, I don't think clients are, are, are super concerned. I, I think they don't really, I don't think they've necessarily really worked out how to, um, what, what this all means and what this mm. means for sort of the infrastructure they use um, for it, you know, for managing mm. their, um, for managing their operations. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, it's, it's interesting, the kids' audience, kids' media sector is, is essentially the biggest privacy-based ad market in the world because of these very specific children's privacy laws like COPPA and GDPRK and, right. and, and some of the others. I mean, when, when you think about advertising in, in, the, in the, the adult world, in the grown-up world, I mean, do you think that, you know, those same types of privacy laws are ever going to be an actual reality. I mean, obviously, there's there's increasing restrictions and protections on on, on data, but but do you, do you see a scenario in five or ten or twenty years where you would see this 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 literal zero data type of enforcement? You think that's realistic? Well, I think it's interesting, isn't it? it, it you know, the the reality is. Um, you know, the, I think what's going to happen for all of the internet is a bit like what's happening for kids, right? I mean, it might be a little bit less, it might be a little bit less sort of mm. regulated, but effectively we have to be clear with people, you know, when and why we're collecting their data and how we use it and have their permission. I, I don't think that that's a bad mm. thing. I think we're just going to move, mm. we're, we're going to, the, the emphasis is going to shift and actually it's going to shift a little bit back to the way advertising and marketing used to work i.e we're going to use context mm. so we'll look at mm. we'll look at the content that people are looking at and target advertising based on that we'll know mm. the efficiency and effectiveness of different media you know in the main and we'll be able to you know frequency cap our messages so i think that the internet will still be a more efficient platform um, mm. than traditional media but I think some of what I could describe as the lazy, the lazy ways of marketing, you know, retargeting, following you around, you know, things that mm. consumers are being followed around the internet for ads, for things you've looked at in shopping mm. baskets, some of the lazier things will go away. Mm. And, but many of the sort of tried and tested methods will, will remain. It, it, it's, it's funny. I mean, it, it is almost like going back to the, the first internet boom in terms of how advertising was working then, right? Which was almost entirely on a, on a contextual basis. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it is, it is, it is, it's, it is more, it's going to be largely contextual, right? So. Mm, mm. The, what, what is old becomes new again. Um, 
Mark, I, I, you, like I, spend a lot of time on planes and, and traveling around the place. So I'm sure yeah, this has sort of been, <laughs> been an adjustment. Um, what, I mean, what, what, uh, what have you picked up in terms of work from home tips that, that you can share with, with, with our audience? I think everyone, everyone is interested to, uh, to learn from everyone else on this topic. Yeah, I, my, main, my main tip, which I failed to do today, I'm sorry, is try and join conference calls two minutes, two or three minutes early so that um, right. everything can get started on time. Uh, you know, I think that it, it is difficult for people. And so, you know, giving people, um, you know, trying to give our people fixed start and stop times, but then being flexi mm. flexible for people to manage their children, ha making sure that, you know, you stop, uh, you know, you have a fixed lunch time, um, you know, mm. making, it's not, it's not, it's not easy. I think, you know, a lot of people are going to be, I know, talk to, quite looking forward to, you know, getting back to working from the office as, as well. So, mm. you know, we are very concerned about sort of, sort of mental well-being, particularly as I think mm. this is going to go on for quite some time. You know, I did a call with our people in Italy last week. We had two and a half thousand people on a Microsoft Teams call. And it was great to do and I'm doing one later with our people in Spain. I think mm. staying in contact with our people is really important. You know, the other piece of mm. advice I give people is think about the six people that sit around you in the office closest to you. Mm. You know, have you spoken to each, you know, do you try and talk to each of them every day? Because, mm. you know, mm. they're, they're the people that normally rely on you when you're at work. So I think that, again, is... Um, something that we're encouraging our people to do but i think this is one of those times where you know small gestures mean a lot to people and can make a big difference mm. so you know let's you know let's just try and you know keep in touch i think for us those of us in client services businesses you know really being close to our clients and really understanding and helping our clients navigate their way through this is really important and i think if we do it properly we'll come out with you know relationships much much stronger than we came into it before it's a real time to mm. test relationships isn't it mm -hmm. uh, no it certainly is um well mark reed ceo of wpp thank you very much for joining us on kid tech today great thanks very much dylan and, and best of luck with everything in the current challenged environment <laughs>